No mai, haere mai, and welcome to Koko Ngati, a podcast that combines cross-cultural wahine Māori and Pacific male perspectives on issues and topics relating to us. It's our stories by our people. Kia ora, I'm Maya Wilson. Kia ora, I'm Johnson Rayala, and we are the hosts of Koko Ngati. Season 1 focuses on being mixed race here in Aotearoa. Although we aren't entirely mixed race ourselves, we talk to inspiring people who share their experiences. Today we caught it all with a model, radio host and community champion who is loud and proud to be a Cook Island Ghanaian woman. I don't believe in the word racism. That's going to give me heat right now and I did say that. Um, Interesting. Yeah, I feel like it's understanding. I know our ancestors, my black ancestors, but I feel the word racism segregates people straight away. And I think it's a it's understanding people, um, understanding who they are, where they belong. Or misunderstanding. And, yeah, misunderstanding culture, sorry. Ernestina Bonsumaro talks to us about walking with her head held high in her dark skin, growing up in Mangere, South Auckland, and how she stays connected to her African roots. She and her two siblings were raised by a single mum and interestingly holds no ill feelings towards her absent father. Let's go! Let's go! Alright, so I think first off we want to know, Kauai uh, queer, Nohia queer, who are you? Where do you come from? Tell us about you. Alright fam, so Tukui Moa, my name is Ernestina Pukuya Bonzumaro. I am of African Cook Island descent. Um, brought up in Roskill, so central, just down the road over here. Um, and moved over to Mangere when I was 10 years old. Mum's um, from a small island up in the Cook Islands called Pukpuka. It's like isolated as, like, <laughs> it takes ages um, to, to get there. So you'll probably have to go through Samoa to get there, which is like real fast. But yeah, she's from that. That little island and then dad's from a small village called Kumasi in Africa so that's located in the west of Africa um, and then they made this crazy person crazy all right <laughs> <Is that laughs> <understood>? me <laughs> kind of sis kind of but I think it's like you know when when we go around to people and we're out in the community they're like how did your mom and dad meet and I'm just like while I ask that question all the time, and I know they met like in the club scene during the 80s, because like, you know, during that time, it was, everyone was out. Like, it wasn't like, you know, you like hip hop, you like rock, you like, like mom and dad were saying like, everyone was just loving everything. And I think during that time, eh, we had like the, maybe the migration of like the Pacific people coming over, you had the Africans coming over, and you got the Islanders taking over like the, the area of Auckland and also Ponsonby as well. So during that period, I have to say it was a fun time and cookies and Africans like that's rare. Mm, <laughs> uh, you don't. You don't need to tell us. We know. <laughs> you don't really see that. So mom was kind of breaking <laughs> that like. You have to date a cookie. You have to date a, like a Pacific person. So she didn't really get heat, but the family were like, "Okay, you like African guys? <laughs> That's a change." <laughs> but like, you know, that just shows her like fearlessness during the day. She was probably like, "Everyone's you know having a good time," but I'm gonna. I'm she was gonna- having a good time. <laughs> She wanted to try some duck meat. So um, <laughs> Africans, here they came. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that's just a little bit about myself. And mum and dad are not together anymore. Um, 
hopefully it's not about me. But no, they had their own differences. And oh, good. Yeah, he went off to Australia and mum stayed here. Single mother. I've got an older sister. She stays in Australia. She's a nurse. And then there's me, the um, wild child, the loud one. And then there's my brother, the youngest one. Who's a spoiled one. Is he loud? Is he proud? Honestly, my if you meet my siblings, you're going to be like, how is Tina like that? And these two are <laughs> totally different. But I think mom said it before, like, ever since I was a child, like, I've always wanted to just, you know, I was the one that's always crying the loudest and taking mom's makeup from her room and stuff. So I was like, no surprises, eh? There's always got to be that. Black sheep in the family, and like literally, <laughs> I've got that blessing. <laughs> ah, we love it. Look at being raised by your mum. Mm. You know, um, can you tell us about that and that journey of um, just being just a powerful woman? Yeah. Oh my God, I love that question because I hardly speak about mum when I'm like in the studio or out and about, or because she's not the type to kind of you know. Don't talk about me. <laughs> Just talk about you and what you're doing. So, um, mom, she was kind of brought up in, I would have to say, a challenging time. Like, she was brought up in the island in Pukupu, and then she got migrated to Raro. And she was just always on her own. Yes, mama and papa were there, but her parents passed away. And so she was brought up with papa. Mm-hmm. And um, she's just always working. Um, she was always... I remember there was a story she told me when she was at Tiroda College, this is high school in, in Raro. Um, she used to go with like, you know, hardly clothes or like, that's the island way, you don't really, mm. back in the day. Um, times have changed now. But she was always getting um, a lot of heat in terms of not having support around those areas when she was young. But she was just fearless and resilient at the same time. Like she's always like, nah, but if she didn't get lunch, she would not bully her way to getting lunch, but she'll kind of hustle her way around mm. to the family because all the villagers in Raro are, like, connected. So Puwe is where mom was brought up in that small little, um, little village. And everyone was always supporting everyone. Cool. And when mom moved over to New Zealand, well, obviously for a better life, but just to work, um, yeah, she was also kind of, like, on her own, um, trying to find her way in New Zealand because, you know, island life and the Kiwi life is real different. Um, So she was brought up with a couple of my uncles as well, but along with Papa. And she said 16, 18, and merging into her 20s, she got her own house, like, while she was working. And she fell pregnant with um, my elder sister, Nima. So she is part... Caucasian, so she's European, she's white, and mum's cookie. And mum has just always been so fearless in the way that she's been working. Like, she's always giving her love to the community. Pupuka Donuts, I'm not sure if you've come across. Mm, mm. Our wallet community, um, that's kind of like the hub and the heart of where everyone starts. But she was brought up in the Kiwi way as well. So mum had that luxury of knowing how to work, you know, to study um, and also balancing the kids as well. Um, but my auntie and my uncle were always there. I remember in Mount Roscoe, um, my uncle Lakua, my auntie Gillian, whoo, that house, McGregor Street, was just like the house where everyone <laughs> dropped their kids. And the parents, like, you know, they were there, but they're always going to Mahi, like, to work. Mm-hmm. And mom had her own house as well, but all... 
the kids that she was looking after were like my cousins and my aunties as well. So she was kind of like, you know, always the pit and the hub, like when you fall short, like if you need a house to come through, she's there to help you get your license or just help you get you on your feet. So she was one of the first to kind of get a diploma within the community mm. or like um, get education, um, you know, knowledge around living the Kiwi way. So she's had it rough, but she's also been so fearless, resilient, and she always has this like humble way of doing it. Nice. Not in the limelight and just, yeah, it's getting me real kind of emotional right now, like thinking about it. But, you know, I'm still working and I'm like far out. I can't even balance all of this out. But yeah. to balance what she was going through at that time, um, it's incredible. Like mm. big ups to single mothers, man. I don't know. You guys don't. <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. And it just seems like. This is the first time I've met you walking into this party and oh my gosh, you have brightened up my day. You bring such confidence, such radiance in you and not just in who you are, but in your heritage as well. You look very comfortable Mm. in where you're at in both your Cook Island side and your West African side. So tell me, has this always been the case? Uh, No, sis. So, you know, my high school and also intermediate being brought up in Mangere, like it's... When you're in Māngere, you have this, like, family-oriented spirit and energy around you. Like, if you don't have food or you don't have something, you know someone's got your back. Knowing your roots on the Cook Island side, like, we have other wall, or we have the community hall, we have our cousins and aunties, you're always surrounded around it. Um, and I can speak the mother tongue as well because I was around it with mom all the time. But mom and dad weren't together, so... But the, the African side, I'm trying to connect that journey as well. Um, hence why I'm trying to go to the events and like learn a bit about that culture inside. But in high school, I didn't really embrace it to the full capacity of who, who I am today. Being Pacific, you and also surrounded about around Pacific mm-hmm. as well, you have these really strong features that are real African, and you're but you you're <laughs> the way that you are in front of people is real Pacific. Mm-hmm. So um, how people kind of interact to you is kind of like, oh, she's African or she's dark or she's... So during high school, I always got... They just didn't really understand who you were mm. or um, she's an Afakasi or she's from Africa and stuff. There was a lot of love and respect from the community and um, the school, but I think youth didn't realise that I was kind of like from two worlds. Mm. And when you're trying to be Pacific and African at the same time, it's not... I wouldn't say it's hard, but it's kind of challenging in a way to just put the two in one. You know, always going to school, whether you're going to leave your hair, your afro out, or you're going to, um, you know, embrace. It was little things like that because you got used to, you know, what's funny. Like I in high school, there was the ironing was like the norm. You could try and iron your hair or you'll straighten your hair. And it was things like that or like learning like the Pacific slangs and stuff and it wasn't until uni that you got an un- I got an understanding. It's having an understanding of who you truly are and embracing that, like, in and out. I actually, that hit at uni because I was like, hold on, I'm not just Pacific. Like, <laughs> hold on, sis, you're not just one race. Like, I felt like I, was embra- I wasn't embracing the African side enough. So that really, like, brought the two in mash. And that's what really kind of empowered me to be like, you're not really fulfilling your true purpose and embracing dad's side. So what was it like trying to 
start embracing that mm. the African side of you? Oh, it was just like little things like Africa Day, um, you know, not really connecting to my African side because dad wasn't there all the time. I was always connected to mom's side. So you had to go and try and do it yourself. Yeah, like I, you just had to. Like, you know, <laughs> there's this feeling like that when I saw a lot of my African people at uni, like, wow, I'm always around the, the islanders all the time and I'm not really connecting with the African side and you know, you you have to you have to pay respect to that because they're looking at you, they're smiling at you. You got to honor that. Um, Did you feel that it, you weren't enough? Yeah, to be for sure, for sure. Oh my god, I was like, I don't know the language. Oh my gosh, I don't know the toy. Like toy is the language mm-hmm. of Ghana. Um, I was wearing all of these amazing African like outfits and embracing my hair and stuff, but you still kind of. Well, I don't feel truly um, as an African. Did you just ever yet. feel like conflicted in the fact that, like you said at school, they would, they could see that you didn't look, mm. person, you didn't look Cook Island, yeah. but you sounded like Cook yeah, Island. Yeah. So to some, maybe you weren't Cook Island enough for them. Yeah. But then you go to your your Ghana side and being like, I look like you. Yeah. Um, pressure from those two different cultures. Definitely, sis. And you know what? It's it, I love that question as well. Because um, when I went into the family, like on my dad's side, I always felt comfortable. Like, woo, this is my people. And like, they were just really proud of how I looked. And like, oh my God, you look like your dad's yeah. side. Like you look like no, your ancestors. Yeah. And I'm not saying that it wasn't on the Cook Islands. Like mm-hmm. they loved that. Like, you know, the love was already there. But it was just a, a healing to kind of like feel, oh my God, you know, sis, you, you, you're here. Like mm-hmm. this is where your people are at and you have to kind of like share that with other people as well. Like, you know, honor both. And you get that love in you and you just all of a sudden like, oh, your afro's out, you got Woo-hoo. the braids, you're wearing your outfits, you're hanging wow. with your African mates. You're like, when's the next, like the core people that are around you that give you that love of belonging and sense of belonging as well. One thing I've always loved about you is your uh, just vibrancy, but being unapologetic about who you are and walking in your own confidence and walking in your own skin. Mm. Um, and I've really, really enjoyed that. But, you know, obviously you've touched on a little bit about growing up in not only Ross School, but Mangere as well. Mm. Obviously you look different. Yeah. Were you teased? Oh, and what Johnson. was that like? Yeah, all the time. Like, you know, <laughs> I think that's the thing with our Pacific, Maori Pacific as well, indigenous as a whole, is mocking is like part of you. That's like, normal. yeah, it's it's like. Hello, it's like, <laughs> over here, my I am, and, I am very up and down. I'm just, I'm and, black and white. Johnson, you are all colors. Yeah. Sorry, you're all colors. But it just becomes the norm. You, you both are right. And if you're not getting mocked, it's like you're not normal. If but, you can't handle the heat, it's, it's like... But what about in a way where you're, you're teased because of the way... You, oh, like yeah. not Because the way we tease, mm. yes, we do tease in a, in a mocking kind of fun way. Yeah. But then there is the other, the other side that goes too far. It, it. I don't know. It kind of yeah. seems like that you just, it just kind of brushed over you. Yeah, like I would... Oh, these are examples as well, like in high school, in uni, in pageants, in modelling, like... There's the, you know, the darker skin, like black, um, you know, big eyes, you're just, you're, you're got like, you're just too much. Sometimes it's just too much for people that to understand who you really are. And that got to me, you know, that got to me, but it comes back to my core, like family, like, you know, the, the surroundings of where I was and where I was based in, my mom, my dad, my family, they, they're always 
you know, shared that you are different and you kind of have to go through life. And that's why mom was the core figure of that. And my dad, even though he wasn't there and stuff, I give him, you know, love to sharing that. But she always inherited that you, strong love. You, you just have to know who you are. You have to deal with it. You know, you just have to embrace it. And that's how I got about it. I was just like, if someone calls you that, I used to just laugh about it or just, okay, that's cool, but I'm not going to let that energy detain mm. who I am. And I feel that's the sad part of what I see with generations today is they kind of don't have a strong base of who they are to know that words don't really matter. But yes, I do think it has a huge effect on, you know, who you become and stuff. But at the same time, it comes back to who you're going back to, like who you're going home to, to know that you can fill your, your soul up with like mm. that energy and love. One thing that you keep referring back to is your dad. Yeah. And I'm kind of curious as to why you show so much love to your dad who wasn't there. Yeah, um, you know, with our, our parents, we are... <laughs> We are nothing, eh? And I've seen so many documentaries and stories. I love to read for, um, yeah, as well. Um, and now, and it's always like they, they hate their dad because yeah. they're not there. That's, that's what yeah. I usually hear from that, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like, you know, why? Like, you know, you, you're, you have life. Like, you have the power to kind of change that and break that cycle of, oh, my dad wasn't there for me. Like, oh, my God. Like, he was there. It's just that, you know, he was caught up in his own situation. He didn't have the resources. He didn't have love, even if he wasn't there. Like, my dad always made time to either Viber call or call. Just to hear his voice was, was all good. Like, just to know that he's has, there. Has your outlook always been like this? Or is it something that sort of just come along mm. as you've gotten older? He knows that he loves us. And I know that he loves us as well because he's constantly calling, sharing messages, making sure we're good and stuff. And that's all that matters to me. Eh? And I think um, being a father doesn't necessarily, you don't have to be there physically um, to get love. Like sometimes it's just spiritual. Like you know that your dad's there. <laughs> that's cool. And um, yeah, it, I don't like to carry mm. that burden of, your dad's supposed to be at your game or like, you know, and sometimes mom, she's always kind of like that as we are like, you know, your dad is da da da. But I know he tried his best and he's, he's provided life and I can't take that back. Like, yeah. It's interesting to hear a different perspective. <laughs> I know, it's not the norm no. for people to be like that. Yeah. yeah so like, it's interesting to feel where your spirit is in that. Yeah. So thank you. Oh. Thank you for being sure, open to sharing fam. about that. So if we look at it as a whole, you've talked about your upbringing, mm. your parents, and your life experience. How do you think, if you could sum it up into a sentence, yes. how has that shaped where you are now? Woo! You know, I love it. Like, the whole journey, the experience, um, you just have to be proud and own who you are as much as, you know, it sounds real cliche, like be proud, own who you are. And the, you know, the words that you hear a lot, but the more you just love yourself, love your environment, love, you love your people. It just becomes the norm mm -hmm. and it just gets synced into your energy and your mm -hmm. soul as well. And this is going to sound funny, but I feel like, you know, I'm every day I'm walking with my ancestors. I know that's quite random and stuff, but it's, it's not it's random. It's so true. Yeah, it's and I'm 
I would have like a you have crazy days at work and stuff. We have challenging days, and I just think of them, and I'm like, there's a reason why you're in this situation. There's a reason why I'm here to tell the story, and I, I feel like it's gonna touch so many people, um, whether you're meeting them face to face or not. But you are loved. You are worthy, and. Um, Remember why you are here and your true purpose of who you're belonging yourself to. And share that. Share like the virus, like Corona's here. Share that love and your energy. And like the virus. virus, (laughs) It's like, you know, it comes back to that. And knowing who you are is just super important. And yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Just because. She means she means um, share the virus figuratively, <laughs> not literally. <laughs> yes, what Johnson and Myers. Okay. <laughs> so if we have a look at um, where you're at now in terms of your mm. career, you're kind of a jack of all trades. In yeah. terms of your core role, you're working yes. at Pacific Media Network, yeah. right? Um, and there you've kind of moved up through the ranks in terms yes. of uh, various different shows you've Mm. done um i love the work that you're doing on the cook island language shows and the youth work as well Mm. um moving into producing and programming but if we go back before all that sort of stuff how did how did you get your foot in the door it's just community like i saw there was a loss of not many of our stories being told within our area and which area in in particular like i've we always have the mainstream sharing our stories um like this is how our, our community looks like. And this is how... The, the negative stories. Yeah. Um, but I feel like, you know, you are the power within the story. And um, Frank, he probably doesn't know this, but I remember when he when I did a story on him for him to go to the Pacific Games. I think it was 2015 or... 2015. So for those that aren't aware, Frank Musselwey, the boxer. Yeah, the boxer. Mm-hmm. And we were like, we need to get your story out. He was fundraising. Um, we were reaching out, like, you know, knocking on all the media doors and stuff. And then 531, I was just like, you know, for Pacific people, like they're supposed to be here on the door. And my law, he was like, yeah, come through, come into the studio, share it. And when I got there, I was like, oh my God, I need to be here. Because there were so many stories that were missing from our community. Um, well-being, health, education, youth, crime. Like it's just, there was, it was like making the invisible visible. And showing people, even if it's through the tool of radio, if it's through something else, that there are some stories within our community that are not being told. And the power is within us. We just have to kind of ignite it. And that's how, well, it started Mm. through that. And then from that, like, and I have to say there are some key people within the community that are, that are working behind the scenes. Peter Sykes with Me Family Services. Mm. Um, there's also um, Good Seas Trust. There's mm. there's so many people, um, Mangere East Community Center, that are not really in the limelight at all. The it's all in the purpose of just shining what's invisible, mm. and that's always been like um, my key, my goal. Knowing that if someone's got a story, you, we have to sell it. Like that's just. It gets me happy when I... That's success for me. It's like when... Stories by our people, yeah. for our people. And when we see that and we see them living it, um, I'm happy. Mm. It's just like, woof, tick. So, so if you think <laughs> about that, you're, you're working at Pacific Media Network, you've done pageants, you've done here, oh there, God. everywhere. Yeah. Community work especially is at the heart of where you're at right mm. now. How 
do you balance? How do you find the time to balance it all? Sis, I'm telling myself, like, we, and that's why it comes back. I know it sounds funny, but it's my aunt, like ancestors, like it's, but it's this constant energy we have to feed for our soul, our people, our stories that I just get up and constantly getting messages. Can you share this? Can you share? And you just have to. And yes, the well-being parts is because, you know, look after yourself. It's there, but I feel like you, you, you just have to love what you do. If you're not loving it, then it just becomes a bore. Mm. And you're like, this sucks, guys. Yeah, we're, we're living loving right now. We're enjoying life. Mm. And at the same time, we're having fun while we're doing it. Yeah. So. No, I love just everything. The energy that you bring into this room right now is something. It's out of this world. But do you ever feel like sometimes you just have to perform? Like there's a camera on or there's a yeah. mic and you know you just have to get that energy up. Are you always like this? Sis, and you know what I love about um, that question? You guys have the coolest questions right now. Is that I want to break that mm. scripted life um, yep. as well. Um, a, a true example was yesterday when we went to OKV, the Otarakai village. I love that place. And um, they were like, oh, do we need to set up or do we need to... I said, no, 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 to speak, like, or how you are. If you're walking through the store, you're walking through the store. If you're saying this, you're saying this. And even when we went to the Mangere Town Centre, it's just... Or even local areas. It's just our true people being their true authentic selves. And that will get passed on to the community and society like... Look at Maya and Johnson just being them. Like, it's just, it's, that's how people can connect and relate to. Like, that's, that's real. It's just. It's interesting you say that because I don't feel like um, I'm being myself. Because uh, for so long that I've had to do mm. broadcasting, I, I, I have to I have been the complete opposite of you. Yeah. I've been scripted. I felt like I had to put up a front. So it's, um, and for those that know me outside of my work. Yeah. I'm shady as fuck. Um, <laughs> I love you know. that. <laughs> yeah. And so um, I'm a part of this for Myra and I, a part of this is mm. learning to um, how do we talk through and navigate our own insecurities. Yeah. And one of those things that we've often shared a lot about, um, maybe me so more now, yeah. <laughs> is, is around body image. Ooh. And, you know, um, for, this, for Maya... Um, <laughs> Every day as an athlete, she gets judged oh. on the way that she looks, on her fitness and her performances. Yeah. And commentators today, we t um, I've noticed that in most of the games, all they really can talk about is the way that she looks. Yeah. The way that, um, I mean, they don't necessarily say how much weight she's lost, mm. but um, you know underneath those layers, that's kind of where they're, they're getting meaning. it because yeah. um, they talk about how much, uh, how much longer she can last in games, how much yeah. fitter and faster. That's and I know, and I know, and these are questions, these are conversations that we mm. have together. But if if we if we look at yourself, yes. and being in in a modelling context, are you comfortable with your body and the fact that you look different? I mean, yeah. you know, you you're not as tall as everybody yeah. else, but the way you model and the the photos that I've seen is that you hold yourself in a way that's six feet tall. You know, so have you? For uh, sure. Oh, tell us about it. tell us about that space for you. These questions are bomb. Um, growing up, I didn't really love my afro or my skin and why it was like the way it is, and that took time to actually know who I am, and it comes back to that. And the modeling scene, woo, it's like a real tip. Like it's it's the real deal. Like it, it you know, 
if you don't look the part, you don't get it. That's how cutthroat it is. And that's why I take it so, not seriously, but, you know, part of who I am in the modeling scene is just to open up these indigenous faces, the skin, the height. It's super yeah. important. And um, you are so right, Johnson. It's There is a bit of insecurity there in the beginning because you look at how the modeling scene is at the moment. Even with pageant, the pageant scene is like, it's cutthroat. I ain't going to lie. Like, if you don't stand in a certain way or form or you do something that's different and you challenge that, it's like you, you're not it anymore. The judges won't, like, you, you can't get on this. And that's why I love Nora Swan with this agency and this um, movement and how she's, the Sammy Salsa. Sammy Salsa is, like, bringing... Like the, the the different types of skin tones, um, the different types of the sizes, shapes, and just the the way modeling can be is is changing right now. And um, getting our seeing our people on Fashion Q or like different platforms from the mainstream, it's beautiful because that was our goal. I commend the girls that actually do so much in the modeling scene that are six like you know that have the traditional height and way that uh, modeling is. But you have to have real thick skin to stay in that. And it comes back to your roots, like to know that, you know, I am beautiful the way I am. And these legs and the and this hair and this skin is worthy of being on that front cover. Mm. And I feel that sometimes the industry's trying to test you to see how if you can handle the heat, if you can actually mm. like take it if you can be around, surrounded by this. And if you can, you love who you... Oh, man, it's... Yeah. It's all go from there. Because one of the areas I eventually want to get to talking about is mm. around um, male insecurities with bodies because it's something that oh. I, I deal with all the time. Ooh. You know, I deal with it myself too. And uh, eventually we're going to get there. But um, before we move on, I just want to ask you, when do you feel at your most beautiful? Does that make sense? Mm. When, when do you feel most beautiful? Oh, now... Um, <laughs> every day and I'm not just saying that like to, it's taken time to get there mm. and um, man I remember this one scene when we were at Miss Pacific as well um, there was a time where there was like a lot of people doing your hair and putting on your outfits and you're like do you really need all of this to feel beautiful and that got to me and I just asked a question I was like um, she asked me do you want to close your gap and wow. I said, yeah. And it was a changing moment of like how I see beauty and stuff. Yeah. And you know, it's the norm to talk like that in, in that industry. <laughs> and that's what I'm saying. It's, it's beautiful in another way because how you respond and how you take that will define how change is happening within the movement you're trying to put in. I was just like, why would I? And she was like, you know, it's, it will help you um, in this industry. And I was like, nah, if you want me to change my gap, I'm out. I'll just catch my flight back home and go back to my community. And Well, how was she going to do it? Go to the dental clinic uh. and arrange. And I said, no. Nah. You're going to pay for it? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And I, from that day, I was like, well, yeah, God put you here for a reason. And there's been other moments, but feeling beautiful every day, sometimes it is challenging because you're like, oh, my gosh, here we go again. I have to go in front of everyone and show how bright. and But... 
It just, it's your norm mm. and you just you don't have to fake it it's the things that are around you that challenge yeah. you to kind it's of the societal pressures yeah. but i think one of the common themes that have come out the the more people that we we wananga with is mm. celebrating our point of difference right and so but that's not always the <laughs> thing that's celebrated right like that's the thing that we are teased about we yeah. are scrutinized for so because of that point of difference, have you ever experienced racism and how have you dealt with it? Oh, I love that question because, you know, I was having this conversation with mum about the word racism. I don't believe in the word racism. That's going to give me heat right now. And I did say that. Um, Interesting. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it's understanding. I know our ancestors, my black ancestors, but I feel the word racism segregates people straight away. And I think it's, a, it's understanding people. Um, understanding who they are, where they belong. Um, the shooting that happened in Christchurch, I feel that was more of an understanding of the culture. Or oh, misunderstanding. That, yeah, misunderstanding culture, sorry. And, you know, it's just when we come together and we share, we tell a norm, and we get to know people, that's where true peace is at for me. And I feel like racism is, it's not, I'm not saying I'm, I'm I just don't like that word because I don't feel it's real. Hey, this is your story, so you And um, all colours matter. Um, when someone says, you're racist, you're racist because of why um, you said because you're black. That person doesn't understand you fully mm. to kind of make that statement and just don't understand your story. So, yeah, I, I, I love the fact that you brought that up because it's a question that I always try and figure, like... I think people just need to kind of get to know what's happening with someone, know their background before making a statement like that. Well, it's always that saying that you never know what battles everyone else has got going on in the background. So they might look like they've got everything under control, but they might be crumbling deep down inside. And that's going back onto it's a misunderstanding of you need to remember that everyone is fighting their own battle. Yeah, like just on the, like walking, you're meeting people, um, I wouldn't, gangs, anything, any group you're with, I feel show love regardless and you'll get love back. Um, yes. That but that's not is. always the case. Yeah. You know, sometimes you can show love and and not get love back. Yeah. So how do you deal with that? Um, it comes back to who you are and how strong you are, the fearlessness you have. Oh, thanks for that as well, Johnson, because you give so much and sometimes you don't get it back. That's yeah. so true. As again, it's a spiritual thing. It's like, okay, you know you gave that love, even if it's with them or not. Spiritually, they've got love walking out with them and you don't yeah. necessarily need to... Sometimes I feel like it's, you know, sometimes it's a bit of karma. You might not get love back in that, in that space. Yeah. But it will come back somewhere along the line. Gandhi. You know, and, and maybe, <laughs> I'm so intelligent right now. Um, but maybe in a way where, um, you know, sometimes there might be a time where you might need some love. Mm. And that could come back then at, the, at, the, at a point where you least expect it. That's so now, true. Um, you have heart of service. Mm. Um, I remember when you were doing some stuff at Otahuhu uh, oh. in the community there. <laughs> yeah. um, and you've done a number of community initiatives. Can you tell us some of those that you've been involved in? Yeah. And may- maybe before you even get into that, why? Why a heart of service? Mm. I feel our people are needed. It comes back to love as well. Um, when I was working, blessings, working at the Otahuhu Business Association, um, there were... St- 
so much that was happening within the community, the beggars. I don't like to call them beggars, but people within the community um, that looking for their home, looking for mm -hmm. peace. And, and I decided, like, you know, there was just a calling, like, there's so many businesses around Odahu. Why can't they just connect and give at least some of their time and resources within their shops just to help some of the people that are on not the street, but trying to find their way to their true self or true home. Or, um, and we came up with Pamper Day. And it was just an open space where you just can come in and just chill, um, a space to open up. Um, you know, love is not necessarily like hugging. And sometimes you can just go up to someone and say, hi, how's your day? Um, we're here if you need a place to be at like that was one of them another was with the Mangere community um, radio is but the initiatives that they're doing within the community is so resourceful um, that's real hidden um, working with our school groups as well um, our pukupukin community with the youth that's been another yeah because you go into schools as well and do some cook island dancing and who must that yeah so um, <laughs> the story behind that is just because the gym culture I feel like it's expensive and yes. sometimes it's like you know, it gets to people on how you have to work out to kind of lose weight or um, feel happy and exercise. And I wanted to bring this exercising as a fun way, or you can especially use together as yeah. in groups. It's it's like all good yeah. if you sweat hard out and you're like, you know, all so good what? if you're dying. I'm dying next <laughs> to you too. So what's Hulafit? Tell us about it. Hulafit is a fun way, a Pacific Afro way of um, exercising. And others will say losing weight or um, enjoying. Um, I saw it as a space for um, the community to come and hang out, um, dance, uh, get fit. Sometimes you get some stories from some mummies that are going through some rough times and they just want to come and just dance it off. Dance your stress out or um, just have fun. Yeah, by the end of the session, they're like, oh, I'm happy I'm out of breath, but... They just, they're just happy. As long as you're putting a smile on someone's face at the end or something, like, it's all good. <laughs> yeah. So Thursdays? 6, six o'clock at the Odahu Youth Space. So um, 16 to 17 High Street, Odahu. Yeah. Get there, Fano. Yeah, get come your through. Afro, Cook Island. <laughs> come and um, get sore with me. <laughs> nice. That's so cool. So I had heard, moving on, I had heard... London has been potentially oh on the cards for you. I might, yeah. it might have changed with everything going on with COVID, but tell us a bit mm. about that. Yes, sis. So there's an opportunity to go for the um, London Pacific Fashion Week that's happening in London in September. So I, yeah, I'm super excited because it's like, well, you know, I haven't been to London before, but it's just that movement of our indigenous faces finally getting on a world stage yeah and you know that johnson you know that you've been traveling doing tv radio and like broadcasting maya you're traveling with nepal and stuff like to get some exposure for something that's been hidden so much mm. is it's amazing because when we finish doing that, then other girls can come through and they can see the, the epic beauty we have. It's paving a pathway. Yeah. yeah. And ah, it's exciting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So that. fingers crossed. So provided, you know, yeah. touch base, touch wood in terms <laughs> around this COVID stuff that oh, you will be please. able to get here. But looking at, at what's next, you know, mm. what ideally what would you like you know would you like a media career would right. you like to serve your community there's no reason why you can't do both yeah but what are you hoping 
Or, yes. you know, where is your faith in, at, at the moment in terms of what's next? I'm excited to see what's next, what God has planned for me um, coming up. But I've kind of planted a seed called EBM Artistry, mm. um, where it's just it's compiling everything that I'm doing in one hit for resources to give out. Um, at the moment, um, your sis doesn't have all the resources <laughs> just yet. But um, hopefully by 2021, I can put it out there and let people within the community know you can connect with these resources that are here where it's pageantry so modeling yeah. yeah um so with pageantry like i'm wanting to and so i'm wanting to put that in like advising mm. like how girls can go into mm. the pageant scene um because sometimes it's constructed um it's it's figured like you have to go a certain way but i want to put a new movement on how pageant scenes can be mm -hmm. looked at. Yep. Um, the modeling scene, um, there's some connections there and I'm wanting to bring that to the hub first, to the Mangere hub and um, share that like crazy. Fitness is what I'm doing with all of it, Afrobeat, sharing that not just to the South Auckland community but all of it, Aotearoa, when I can manage and schedule my time properly because my time management is... Ah! And also just my family. Uh, my mom's wanting to you know, bring in her... Pukupukin delicacies of our traditional food, and I want to spend more time with mom bringing her vision to light. Nice. That's for 2021 at the moment, along with doing my work and radio and stuff. But I'm super, you know, open and excited to see what God wants to go, let me go into. So I'm kind of like that type that nothing's ever, like, I'm not fixated on one thing. Mm. I'm so open to how. Tina can Where Tina can go Be octopus <laughs> <laughs> oh, My life <laughs> Nice But you know what that, That's what makes you 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 know That's what makes you The vibrant person That you are um, And it's exciting It's exciting Yeah I love you guys mm. This is cool Oh my life Yeah We need this In community And society Right now a lot of podcasts that are, you know, they do it for storytelling, but really engaging around your core. Well, I think for us, it, it's, it's important. Like, this is something we've been talking about for a long time. Yeah. And it's been a long time in the works. But um, it's important for us to not only just have well-known people. Yeah. Um, we feel like there is so many, there's, there's gold in what I guess people would class as your everyday Joes. Yeah. But we wanted to make sure that we can really kind of connect with people from the ground, mm. from a grassroots perspective. And it's important to hear stories from uh, various different community looks and community faces. And um, that's, that's a big, big part of this. Yes, we are going to talk to some people yeah. that do have profile, but we, we were also um, talking to people that don't necessarily have that. Yeah. Uh, have the have the Instagram I, following. I just have to say, you know, yourself and Maya like are true pioneers of, um, you know, sharing your stories, but also how you've, yeah, I admire the work you both do. Like Johnson, like with being a media. If you don't know Johnson, it's like no. okay, <laughs> you don't know anyone. I prefer staying behind the scenes. <laughs> we, I admire work truly, honestly. Mm. It's 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 amazing, especially from the Cook Island community. You're really well respected, and um, yeah. And Maya, I have to say, I remember you from Nepal when we were like, and you went the whole way, sis. Like some of us girls, you know, we just finished a club. We can't make it at club. But it's like, 
you gotta have a hard heart you know you gotta be hearty to go the whole way and you're so firm like since you got the gs position that's Irene van dyke like <laughs> thank you for coming i think it's been so awesome that the main gist of this podcast is we wanted to caught it all with so many different people from different walks of life within our our Pacific Māori mm. um, heritage and talking about kaupapa that is quite taboo or isn't yes. often spoken about. So thank you for sharing. Um, sometimes we have talked to people and they're like, oh, I didn't, I hadn't actually thought about that in a while. And, <laughs> oh, I haven't actually said yeah. that publicly before. So we are very grateful for people sharing very vulnerable mm. bits within their heart um, not just to us today, um, but to whoever may listen to this. So thank For you. Sure. So to wrap it up, we've got one final question. Yes. How do you hope your mahi will help inspire others? Oh, love it. Um, I just hope it inspires our people and just to walk outside of your house, whether you're doing your gardening, going to dance, going to the shop, going to the mall, going anywhere, whether you're on stage, that you are happy with you. Because I have been through so many challenges. I, I, I know how you feel. Um, of trying to fake that. Um, trying to not be that. You try and change. But it's okay when you step out and just kind of like, okay, if they're not going to like this afro, oh well. <laughs> you just have, yeah, you just have to deal with it but it's yeah it comes back to loving who you are so so i hope this um gravitates people that it touches them that it goes okay it's time to just be me now and just own it so rock on fam